Hello, uh, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Michael Frederick, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in Los Angeles. And we're, our topic today is going to be, uh, could perhaps be framed as the pros and cons of distance learning with the Alexander on the distance learning for the Alexander technique. So basically Skype and Zoom and other uh, internet processes that allow a teacher to work with a student uh, that's not in the same room with them. Um, Michael, um, Michael and I both trained in the late seven, 1970s, early 80s. I think he, he was about two years before me. Yeah, he trained. Yeah, I trained. He trained with Walter Carrington. I trained with an offshoot of Walter, Paul and Betty Collins. Um, we both studied extensively with the late Marjorie Barstow. Uh, Michael also studied with Marjorie Barlow, that's Alexander's niece, and Elizabeth Walker. And I, I studied quite a bit with, of all people, Patrick McDonald and Eric DePire, who were also second generation teachers. And we've all studied, we've, we both studied a lot of Alexander stuff oh, over right. the years. Uh, Michael is a Feldenkrais practitioner. Uh, I guess I could say officially I'm a master practitioner of NLP, but I wouldn't want to push that. Um, Michael is the founder and creative director of the Alexander International Congresses and uh, the director of Alexander Retreats International, which uh, is workshops for the general public taught by top Alexander teachers. And these, this year is the 40th anniversary of that. Um, he's also, this is my favorite, Michael, he voted the best Alexander <laughs> teacher in L.A. by Los Angeles Magazine. And I think, you know, if there were a Lincoln Magazine, I might be voted the best Alexander teacher in Lincoln. I'd vote for you. You'd vote so, for me. So there's one yeah, vote but, right there. So we've both been around a long time. Um, we both had quite a range of experiences with different styles of teaching the technique. And um, this topic that we're going to discuss, I know from previous uh, conversations with Michael that we do have some, some disagreements about, or different perspectives on perhaps. So it'll be an interesting conversation. Um, I'd like to start by just talking a little bit about a distinction that may be kind of important here, which is the what is the Alexander technique? And secondly, how is it taught? What would your answers <laughs> to both those questions be? Well, I mean, as with anything, there's always multi-layers. Uh, if you look at history with F.M. Alexander, he was a young actor, about 24, and he lost his voice. Now, I've spent 40-plus years working with actors in L.A., and I see the same patterns that F.M. went through. You know, mm -hmm. sure. they, tend to, they tend to ride on a certain modicum of talent at the beginning, but at some point they're giving a bigger role than they're actually used to, uh, and they start to feel a little bit over their head. And that actually sets up a fear response. It, it triggers what would be called a low-level fight-or-flight response in the actor. Mm -hmm. The actor calls it stage fright. Mm -hmm. But uh, what occurs is that with that stage fright, fight-or-flight response, there gets to be a contraction in the body uh, that, that um, uh, puts pressure on the breathing mechanism, which is the rib structure. And then the breath, the foundation of the voice, uh, is impaired. And in Alexander's case, and I've, with other actors, I, I mean, I cannot tell you the hundreds of times I've heard this, but when they talk, they start to push it a bit because they aren't getting the sound they want. Sometimes the voice goes up a little bit in pitch uh, because of the lack of foundation, because of the, the downward pressure from the, the fear reaction. And uh, pretty soon, they start to get a rasping sound and they start to 
interfere with the quality of their voice. And in Alexander's case, he actually lost it. And in his in his year, in the late 1890s, his type of acting was very broad, proclaiming. I mean, it was it was before Konstantin Stanislavski mm-hmm. uh, and naturalistic acting took hold, mm-hmm. and and the type of acting Alexander did was um, uh, not microphone. That technology didn't exist, so he strained his voice, and therefore he lost his voice. And what he discovered was every time he tried to be right. He still lost his voice, so uh, that got him to stop and reflect and reason it out. And he started to observe himself, and then through the help of you know people in the acting company and so on, he saw that he had this tendency of pulling his head back and down. And this is what put the pressure on his on his breathing mechanism. And he realized that every time he was in that pattern, he was still going to lose his voice. You know, it was like mm-hmm. a it wouldn't work. So what he did is that he, and this is his genius, he understood through the process, of, instead of trying to be right, through the process of negation and subtraction of that interference, mm-hmm. head pulled back and down, shortening and narrowing down through his body, gripping the stage a little bit with his toes and, and gasping air in on the phrase. Mm-hmm. Once he started to learn how to delicately subtract those habits of interference, Mm -hmm. he started to release out of the fight-or-flight response, come back to natural length, the breath freed up, he had the foundation for his voice, he wasn't getting the raspy sound and the vocal folds, and his voice came back. So in essence, and I took a, a bit of time to explain this, but in essence what the Alexander Technique is, is observing when the fight-flight-freeze response has become fixed and then in, in, in one central nervous system in, in the head-neck-back relationship and learning how to release out of that increasing delicacy of movement coming back to better posture, a dynamic upflow of energy and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what occurs is a lot of people aren't actors but they come because their back hurts them or you know, they've tweaked this or that in their body but a lot of times that tweaking that that slight injury is simply the ramification of poor use of self which mm-hmm. comes about through all these habits I talked about so mm-hmm. the the technique always comes back to one's reactions and learning how to create a space between the stimulus whatever that might be and one's response that inhibitory moment of creating a space and then actually manifesting it into length is what the technique's about. Um, right, and I mean, Alexander's own story, of course, he was, you say he was a reciter, but really the problem he was up against in some, is a problem that pretty much everybody is up against right. in some right. activity or other. That's right. And, Any, and, anytime and, there's whatever's happening to you is not what you wish to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, the food's cooking on the stove and that important phone call you've been waiting for all day comes in at the very same moment of a critical, critical moment in cooking. Mm-hmm. That sets up this low-level fight or flight. So there's a right. contraction and tension. So anyone can use it. And and his his genius, you have to say also, was in in really focusing primarily on getting on eliminating or releasing harmful habits yes. more so than in 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 trying harder to do the thing or do it differently uh you, and none of that's likely to work if you still have those harmful Correct. habits so okay and i mean that's his story and you could say you know the today's alexander technique uh ultimately sprung forth from that with a lot of developments over the years. But if we talk now a little bit about what the delivery system is for gaining that ability, Alexander's delivery system was self-observation and uh, using mirrors and so forth initially, as as, as I read it. And... Um, of course, at some point he started teaching people, 
And it seems as though uh, what he was teaching early on, he actually labeled Del Sartre method. Um, but he doesn't seem as though he was using his hands at all at the very beginning when he was teaching. Um, there is this famous story that he taught his brother in six non-hands-on lessons right. to become an Alexander teacher, whatever that means. But um, so he had a he had a certain kind of delivery system. The delivery system that was popular, I would say, during most of the twentieth um, century and still is probably the most popular system would be a combination of hands-on guidance by a teacher uh, and verbal instructions to to wake up a student if you like to to the kind of discoveries that Alexander made would that be a no, fair no 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 I would agree with that but I would I would go back a little bit I'm holding in my hand uh -huh. just by chance two very ancient turn of the century books on Del Sartre method mm-hmm that I found online. They cost me a small fortune. And I've been, <laughs> but I've been looking at them. And, you know, Del Sartre was an influence, but what Del Sartre did not have, that FM, that again, his genius, mm. was this idea of conscious inhibition. And again, just for any listener who may be new to the game, is that inhibition is defined not in the uh, uh, Sigmund Freud definition of repression right. that's one definition but in the neurological definition mm -hmm. of inhibition is your ability and my ability to say no to an unnecessary pattern right. and the reason Alexander as you pointed out earlier came upon this because every time he was in the old habit no matter how hard he tried that old college try he still lost his voice Right. Yeah. but only when he saw Instead of problem solving through a process of accumulation, but switching to a problem solving approach through a process of negation, subtraction, deconstruction, mm -hmm. that is the key thing. Mm -hmm. that I, from right. my estimation, right. Oh, just but just to add one more thing about uh, Del Sartre, um, the, the Del Sartre that Alexander was undoubtedly. Um, exposed to in Australia came from Del Sartre's younger brother who immigrated to Tasmania of all places in 1851 right. and the the um, Del Sartre himself never wrote anything, or as far until recently, apparently he did do some notes in French. But um, the Del books about the the Del Sartre method of later on, the later part of the 19th century, uh, does not is not the same Del Sartre method that I think Alexander was exposed to. Well, could be. There's a I mean, there's a complex history there, but the, I, I and I don't really want to get into that too sure. much, but because I want to focus on how that how his discoveries were transmitted mm -hmm. by himself and other teachers later on, and as I said, mostly it's been individual lessons. Teacher uses his or her hands to guide the student to show them what they're what. What um, what they want would like to see the student be able to do gives give ver uh, verbal instructions and so on. That's kind of the standard model. Um, his, it was modified somewhat in the late twentieth uh, century by um, by group work appearing, where you had not just one teacher and one student, but one teacher and depending on who they were many many students right, right. Uh, marjorie barstow being a, the a great example of that so the, the, so the, there's that and um if we now go into more like the present day let's say the last 10 or 10 years or 10 or 15 years ago we could even say the 21st century alexander to me, it seems like there's been some major uh, developments. Um, one of them is, of course, the Internet, new technology there, and specifically perfection of person-to-person -person video conversations, mm -hmm. which is, you know, fairly recent in the you know, last 
I don't know, five, eight years, something like that. That simply didn't exist before. And at the same time, I think it's fair to say that more and more Alexander teachers um, are finding it very difficult to make any kind of a living pursuing the traditional model. Well, yeah, but what you're bringing up is a, is a big topic. Because, it's a big topic, yeah. Right, because there's real reasons Alexander teachers aren't earning their living. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, well, some yeah, know. some of them are self-imposed. I mean, honestly, right. uh, the Alexander world has done a, a miserable job of getting itself out there in a useful mm -hmm. way. But also, um, I think the the there. Their whole the the economics of of having someone come to you for a lesson drive maybe who knows half an hour comes to you for a half hour forty five minute lesson and drives home not all that many people have that ability these days the, the workforce situation has changed dramatically um, it, it's it's it, it's it's an it's not for many people it's not a sustaining model and um so what has come along is you might say uh, i mean you wouldn't say it but i would say a solution <laughs> to that problem which is instead of saying to people well you got to come you got to get to my place and have a lesson and you got to get home and cook dinner for the family you could just take a half hour or 45 minutes out of your day at home and get, get online and um, you can get a Skype or Zoom uh, lesson with that. And your market uh, has increased. Um, even if you live in a big urban area like New York City, your market has increased at least a thousand times more than that you know you, you suddenly the world is your market and the economics of that are pretty overpowering and the the question that we're left with is what are we losing what are we gaining well let's let's back up a little bit okay um if i reflect like when you and i are in england mm -hmm. uh, back in in the 70s yep um you know, we, we were lucky. We had access to uh, many, many, many te teachers who were trained directly by F.M. Alexander. And the price you was know? right, too. Oh, the price. I mean, I used to have lessons with Peggy Williams yeah. for like $2. Oh, I know. I you know? know? Yeah. I met, I met Erica Whitaker. Mm -hmm. uh, she was in Australia, but she would come. And, I, you know, there were all these people, not to mention Patrick McDonald and Marjorie mm -hmm. Barlow and Bill Barlow and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Walter and Dillis Carrington and... Um, I mean, and then there was a whole nother tier. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the training was, at that time, was primarily three years, Monday through Friday, with a student-teacher ratio of one to five, one teacher per every five students. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I was at Carrington's, uh, there were always more than one to five because everyone wanted to come in to work with Walter and Dillis Carrington. There were always extra teachers around. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, which just to point out, I stuck around for a fourth postgraduate year. So four years of that Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. Now, so my late wife, Lena, and I trained together. And, and then after... Uh, being in England uh, those years, we moved to Ojai, California to put our children in a Krishnamurti school here. Mm -hmm. And um, I started teaching in L.A. And there were only two teachers in L.A. One was Judith Stransky, mm -hmm. who had trained uh, uh, primarily with Patrick McDonald. And she was really good. And then there was one other teacher that was not good at all. But other than that, it was astounding. You had the greater Southern California area, uh, Santa Barbara, Ventura, L.A., San Diego, was basically no one was there. Mm -hmm. It was not necessarily easy, but possible to earn your living, mm -hmm. which Lane and I did. She also taught drama at the Krishnamurti Oak Grove School mm -hmm. uh, to, but to augment. But it was still 
it was still a struggle, and I'm pretty good at promo- promoting, mm-hmm. but I had to really work at it. But it worked. But then we started training school in 1987 in Santa Monica. And then slowly over the years, we start generating people. And now there's a plethora of Alexander teachers in the greater L.A. area. But this is the same thing that happened in San Francisco with Frank Ottawa's school mm-hmm. uh, and in uh, New York City yep. with um, uh, uh, Judy Leibowitz and Debbie Kaplan. Mm-hmm. So slowly the population grew. But the interesting thing, with all respect to the um, third and fourth generation teachers, I consider you and I second generation, uh, you know, but um, uh, the thing is, is that inevitably things start to get watered down. Inevitably, there gets to be a huge number of teachers and many of them are not earning their living. They're struggling, and one can have empathy for all that. I'm not judging it harshly. It's no joke how hard it is to be self-employed. But the thing is, is that in my estimation, when I think about back to the quality that existed in London in in the uh, 70s, uh, you know, the quality I feel has been watered down. Hmm. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I know. I know that's your view. That's and my view. And right. I, well, I don't. Actually, know whether you're right or not. Well, um, you know that there's not too many Walters and Peggy's and and Marjorie no, Barlow's. but there's some pretty people. yeah. But so whether that's so, true or not, let, let's say it is true. I, I don't know that I agree that it is. But even no, I, let's say it's true, we're still. So the the question still is, how are these uh, less than optimal teachers? Um, are, are they going to? I mean, if the only choice is between a less than optimal teacher and no nothing, well, um, sure, I know, you know that. Yeah, yeah, right. And you know, I, we can move yeah. beyond that. But the point I'm getting at is mm-hmm. that today I'm downtown Ojai where I live, and I'm doing a few errands, and I I go past a building complex that used to be a small school. Mm-hmm. And I just fantasized for a moment. I said, my God, if FM was alive, he would love this facility. Mm-hmm. He could set up a school, and then everyone from around the world would come in, and it would be a happening thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone in the Alexander world anymore, after Marge Barstow died in Lincoln, Nebraska, who has the gravitas and clout to be a magnet for that sort of thing. You see, yeah, the magnets yeah. have become weaker. Is my point of view? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. But um, so, if if it's become watered down, you have to say that's not today's teachers' fault because they didn't they oh. didn't get proper training. No, it's the it's the usual pattern. Yeah. You can find it in a lot of disciplines. Right. Well, Yoga's a perfect yeah. example. I know a lot about it. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's sort of watered down to what you have is what I call gym yoga in the storefront down the street. Yeah. Well, you know, that someone runs who's mm-hmm. done a summer's training. Right. You know, I mean. Well, you know. I in a way, that's almost a separate discussion, though. I mean, here we are. Most of the teachers that exist in the world are third, fourth, whatever, fifth generation yeah. teachers. Um, and I've met a lot of teachers that I consider pretty pretty good, but well, I don't. And I don't know. I I don't know not. enough to say oh that it's been watered down. But the the point is that let's say you're a third or fourth generation teacher, and you're living in anywhere really. It's likely unless you're very well connected or have an academia job or something that kind of funnels students to you directly it's not that easy to make a living teaching individual lessons or even groups so but, but wait a second yeah I'm back up i'm mm-hmm. going too fast uh-huh. we were both at the international congress in chicago yep. and i don't know if you ever went into the that group teaching room where they uh, that large room where everyone there was tables up and chairs. Yeah, I I saw it. <laughs> you saw it, right? Well, <laughs> I, I walked see, by it. The way you're saying this, you probably recognize 
to maybe to some extent what I saw. You know, I saw a huge amount of simply table work. Well, made I, people feel good. That's what I, I saw. That's what I've always seen at those those things. Just table after that's, that's table, which is, is kind right. of not the point, really. I mean, it's like important, but not the main. That's exactly right. Yeah. You see it at the AGMs. It's the right, same thing. Right. Annual general meetings and, and here and in, mm-hmm. in England and Germany. Yeah, it's the right. same thing. Right. What I'm getting at is that that rigor that you and I experienced, especially with Marge Barstow, mm-hmm. was a different quality. And Walter Carrington was the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different quality. And what I'm getting at is that there's no check and balance. So what you get is more and more of people shutting their eyes. They're on the table. They're doing whispered Oz or what they think are whispered Oz and uh, sort of enjoying themselves. Well, um, that <laughs> phenomenon that you talk about, uh, it, which I agree, that that I agree with you about that. Um, and if that's something that you're not uh, in favor of, um, I would think, Michael, and I'm kind of taunting you here, <laughs> that you, you, are, that you would you be are. very enthusiastic about distance learning because um, distance learning, uh, there, the the most of the most distance learning is going to involve the student being in an active situation or sitting or standing or doing something. Oh, well, fair enough. Very like very right. I mean there might be a little lesson on how to how to set things up for constructive rest. I mean that's useful. But mostly when when at least when I'm doing distance learning, I'm working uh, with a student's thinking right from right. the start. And that's don't all, deny that. That's you all I deny. got. I don't have no, hands. I don't have hands that can reach across, you know, to to uh, Taiwan or wherever. Right. I I work with their thinking. I work with. Um, I do some body mapping if it's appropriate. I do. Uh, I I teach directions starting on usually the first session. Um, I I talk a lot about gravity because that's a big interest of mine and how how we deal with it and what our structure is and all that kind of stuff. No, that's all idea. pretty pretty um, in your view, I would think, kind of high level teaching. Well, it is if it's augmented in a kinesthetic way. The uh, thing about it is that. Uh-huh. This so is much this is where the crux wait, is going to be, Mike. Wait, <laughs> so much of what's happening mm-hmm. with Skype and Zoom teaching is information based, and the Alexander technique is not information based. It's not accumulative. The Alexander technique is a process that that through a dialogue, psychophysically, as it were, uh, with the teacher, it brings the student and the teacher within the present moment and dealing with what Alexander called debauched kinesthesia or faulty sensory appreciation, which is so rampant and so elusive that one of the issues with Skype and Zoom teaching is that unless you have an enlightened being on the other side who understands his or her own illusion of self, people are going to be in their old habit and trying to get out of that old habit without simply trying to recreate something from an accumulation viewpoint is, I don't, you know, I think is rarer than hen's teeth. That has not been my experience. Um, I will, I will certainly agree that uh, a teacher who has good Alexander hands can affect dramatic changes in a student, an in-person student, very quickly. Um, however, the question is, how much is the student really learning that they can take with them into the real world? And my experience, and I, this is, I can only speak to my experience, my, whenever I have a new student, whether it's an in-person student or a, a Zoom student, uh, 
I always want to know whether they've had lessons before, obviously, and 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 what what how do they use the technique? I mean, what it what is their what's their strategy for using it? And um, almost none of them have a strategy other than sure. if something's wrong, I, I go back to my teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've i very rarely well that's rarely, a limitation of the teacher. You see, the teacher needs to teach them how to work within themselves. Well, my theory is that most uh, most students are sort of dependent on teachers' hands, and most teachers are dependent on using their hands to teach. They've sort of, get, for the most part, from what I can see, have given up on actually working with their students' thinking. Well, right. If you take Marge Barstow in Lincoln, Nebraska, as a prime example of what I call state-of-the-art psychophysical teaching. Right. Well, the number of times she said to me and other people was, now you're just waiting for me to help you and do something. I want you to do a little inner work yourself, and then maybe I'll come over and work with you directly. Well, you know, so we sort of learned that how to work on ourselves. But you have to admit, Robert, that whenever Marge put hands on, it absolutely restructured your whole psychophysical self. As Krishnamurti Krishnamurti succinctly put it, the Alexander Technique, in the truest sense, you allow the creation of a different instrument of perception a different instrument of perception. When I had people like Marge, Peggy Williams, and Walter work with me, there was there was a qualitative shift in my, I don't know how to put it, I mean, putting it in words. Mm-hmm. No, it was, it was, it was powerful limiting. stuff, yeah. But, he, but the thing is, I, I, you know, I agree. I agree. Marge's hands were the best ever, but ironically, of course, she, or paradoxically, she used them very sparingly, um, and rightly so. And rightly so. But um, what what I see, though, is um, most people who've had lessons that I run into who come to me for a lesson have no idea of how to self-direct. They actually often have, they may have heard the word direction at some point, but they've never really connected it with themselves. Uh, some, one student told me, oh, I thought that was something a teacher would use when they were teaching me. I, I mean, really, right. a really a lot. There's a lot, a of, lot of that. And 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 one thing about Zoom Skype teaching mm-hmm. that I think is its most powerful um, aspect, really, is that it's absolutely clear to both parties right from the start that this is a teaching experience, this is a teaching situation, and that if you, as the Skype student, hope to get anything from it, you're going to have to do homework. You're going to have to work, play around with the ideas on your own experiment. And that's not necessarily what many students get from no, private no. lessons. See the, the, the difficulty with this conversation is the subtlety of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. In other words, I basically agree with you with that. You know, most people don't work on themselves. Most people are waiting for the teacher to do it for them. Uh, most people don't have a, if I use a yogic phrase, mm-hmm. a practice, a, an Alexander practice, right. like and a s- yoga practice. And Skype yeah. and Zoom students who stay with it for two or three sessions at least uh, are doing that. Well, they may be doing that, but what they're missing is the deep inhibitory action of the teacher's hands, Mm -hmm. assuming the teacher's any good, you see. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing. Alexander was missing that. Well, forget Alexander. He was an, an, an aberration. He was... Was you know, he? Was a, he an apparition? He was a genius in his own little niche. Yeah, you know, I... you're dealing with a man who, who Walter used to tell the story about his mother, 
was a midwife who was an incredibly strong-willed woman. Uh, you know, used to get on the horse and hop the fence and go over and deliver a baby at the farm down the way. And who Alexander was quite a sickly child, and yeah. she basically willed him uh, into good health. Yeah. So that internal will, that ability to stick with something, was was inbred within Alexander. And he had such a passion for acting, he did not want to give it up when he lost his voice when he was 24. So he, it set him on the path of, of I really wish to get my voice back. Mm -hmm. And he also wasn't sidetracked by all the constant stimulation that exists today. Right. Or the medical stuff. I mean, if Alexander mm -hmm. was alive today, I'm sure there was some little pill. To, you know, what do you right. call that stuff you take? Beta blockers. Beta blockers. I mean, you know, he yeah. would have had a beta blocker and he yeah, probably yeah. would have got back on stage and just been a mediocre actor. Yeah. You see. Well, I, I, you know, I have to disagree with you about the current situation because um, people who actually are willing to take the little experiment, you might say, the little leap of faith, and actually arrange for a, a, a Skype session, a Zoom session, um, they're often already in the mindset that this is something that maybe they can learn something. No, I think you're right. They and so, it's a motivated. certain bit of select self-selection. Some, some of them, example. for some of them, I, you know, my experience is that maybe half the people that that um, that I teach a lesson or two to um, just decide not to continue. I think because who knows they they're not willing. I may not be doing the right thing with them, or they're not willing to to actually experiment. But another half uh, be often become really good students of the technique, and well, and down the road, once they've kind of gotten most of what I can convey to them with Skype, and it's usually maybe a dozen sessions or so. Um, if there's anyone near them who is an Al a decent Alexander teacher who's not going to berate them for having had Skype right. lessons, and that right. that is a problem, then yeah, I I suggest I, I to them, right. hey, you know, there's this here's a teacher not far from you. Why don't you give her a call and have a couple of lessons? No, this is correct, and I get that. I really understand what you're saying. I would also say that any Alexander teacher who would berate anyone because they were <laughs> studying with Robert Rickover doing Skype because they lived in Tintuktu is a not very intelligent Alexander teacher with a very narrow well, mindset. But, but whatever, but that does, I mean, I have to well, be very true. careful. I have to check with the teacher ahead of time, say, you know, I got this student. How, what, how do you feel oh, about yeah, it? But it? Blah, blah, sad. blah, you know, and so it's, you, it's, it's right. crazy. And I will say also that I'm dealing with a population that is totally uh, comfortable with the idea of studying pretty much anything online. And certainly, well, sure. people in Southeast Asia, which is one of the main groups of people that I teach, they're they're really great. They speak English. They got good internet connection, and they are totally motivated. Of yeah, I mean. They they they'll have violin lessons online. They'll have yoga lessons, the tai chi. You know these these people, uh, for them to study something online is the most natural thing in the world. So, I feel as though it's a big mistake to to say, well, this online teaching is watering things down. It's certainly. It's certainly, there are no hands there, that, that's for sure, but in a way that's kind of a positive thing. It really forces both student and teacher to be very clear in their thinking. But also, like to develop on. observational skills about yeah. themselves because, you know, they get a video, they get a copy of the lesson to look at, which is actually often more important than the actual lesson itself. They they can actually see themselves. Oh, this is how I stand. This is what happens when I use this direction. I can see the difference. Okay, so that's let's, pretty dramatic let's, for somebody. So the yeah. thing about it is that 
the way you describe it, mm-hmm. especially with this idea of they may have 10, a dozen lessons or more with you, but at mm-hmm. some point, hopefully, they go off and work with the teacher. If they or, want or, to, know, if they want to. I say, well, you know, there is would, this other aspect of the technique. I would think that would technique. be a key thing yeah. for the I next don't step. think it's, I don't, I think for some people, it's a useful part maybe for a few people it would be a key thing mostly it's just a nice add-on for them they'll come back and why don't you go to southeast asia and run a special workshop i don't have to i've got a computer i know but you could go there and you could augment it with meeting robert rickover in person and hands-on I don't want to go there. I'm I'm much happier here in Lincoln. It's serene and calm. I don't have to deal with fly, well, flying know, long I mean, distances. I'm, but I'm just saying, my experience with Skype has been, it can be very very useful for a lot of people. There are going to definitely be people for whom it is not good. Just as any Alexander lesson from anyone might not be right for some people you know it's just well, that's well, just the, the way thing, it is i was giving a, a skype zoom lesson to a guy in beirut lebanon mm-hmm. he was a guitarist mm-hmm. it was very obvious if when you watched him mm-hmm. that he was overdoing right. and he had problems with his right arm his strumming arm mm-hmm. um and i did the usual stuff i laid the framework you know, I, the principles of the technique, you know, all the things that you would do. I, I, I introduced active rest, I introduced whispered Oz, and so on and so on. But what was extremely difficult was the fact of getting him to go beyond his conditioned self. Because he still was working within that realm of that awareness that habit of him. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm planning on doing a workshop in a year or so in Greece, and I'm going to invite him to that workshop. Mm-hmm. I also previously encouraged him to check out workshops that are done in Greece and also Romania, places like that, or maybe a little closer. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wanted to augment it, the online teaching, with hands on teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a valid way to go, mm-hmm. especially in a world today, as you said, where there may not be a teacher for a, uh, for a great, great distance. But if they get hooked into the concepts, mm-hmm. then they will find the time and money to fly off someplace and maybe uh, have some uh, yeah. work. If they have that ability. But I, I have to say that when I first started doing this, doing this on a large scale, um, most of my initial students were people who were somewhere where there was not a teacher. But over the years, that has shifted, and now almost all of them are in places where there are often many teachers. Hmm. And what what I what I hear from people, I can give you a, a really wonderful example of a a woman in London who had sessions and she she had had lessons she'd had quite a few lessons and she said i always felt there was something really useful there but i could never figure out what it was and she had a few skype sessions and she said now i understand what i should have been taught in terms of the ideas yeah. and she's now on a training course in england right so, so reason, that happens too that you were able to do that well i'm because dear marjorie barlow Barstow. Barstow, yes. Well, let me give credit to her. Um, She taught observational skills in a way that nobody else has. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, we both experienced it. And then what happens is that you have those skills and you're able to uh, partake them to the student in London because the London teacher she worked with obviously didn't have those skills. And you woke up that side. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. got nothing against that. Right, but, but I just, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. all right, but um, I had a thought and it's gone. Keep talking, I'm sure it'll okay. pop back well, in I'm there. Talk about a concept, uh, and I'm going to use a word. It's uh, uh, baraka or baraka. You can pronounce it however you want. But baraka, uh, in the world of, uh, in the yoga world or in the world of Sufism in the Middle East 
is the blessing that I got to just a second. I got to plug in my battery. I'm so low. My God, I didn't watch that. Um, come on. There, click in. Okay. So um, what happens is um, I'll give an example. Um, I was studying with a Naqshbandi dervish from Damascus named Sheikh Nazim. He was, he was living in London at the time. And this guy was really a high-powered dude. I mean, as far as his energy. He was akin to Marge Barstow, mm -hmm. uh, as far as that inner work. And so there would be certain principles that he would want to teach you. But with that energy that was present, you were able to grasp what he wanted to say from a different place. It wasn't mm -hmm. just information. It was really psychophysical, emotional learning mm -hmm. because of that baraka blessing, that energy transference. This mm -hmm. is what Marge had. This is what Krishnamurti had for a mm -hmm. decade. I used to go hear him mm -hmm. speak mm -hmm. in Ojai and also Son in Switzerland and Brockwood Park, England. You know, it's real easy to intellectualize Krishnamurti's work if you don't get it. But when you were in his presence, there were, you were... You were bathed in some type of energy right. from him that allowed you to understand what he was saying. As he used to say, I want you to feel this in your blood. Don't think about it. Yeah. It was a very Alexander way of talking. I want you to get it kinesthetically. You see? Yeah, um, but you know, that's all well and good, but I, I'm certainly not that kind of person, and I don't think most Alexander teachers are. Well, that's We're one of just, the issues because yeah. whenever you had Marge Barstow alive and Walter and Peggy Williams and Erica Whitaker, yeah. they did have that. I mean, it was in their own way. Right, know? different ways. But, 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 they, but they're not here anymore. That is correct. And so in any event, correct. Michael, even when they were here, the, the majority of the seven and a half billion people in the world had no access to them. Well, that's right. But so you know, if you want, if you think, if you think that Alexander's ideas uh, are really important for our well-being, especially these days, you'd you'd want to get as many people as possible to start experimenting with them. Well, I would want them to understand that it's not about ideas; it's about a psychophysical experience. Uh, that is different yeah. than ideas. I'd say it's about a way of bringing about your own psychophysical experience, if that's what you're wanting to say. In other well, words, and and I and let me just say I I I've, I've retrieved that thought that disappeared. I would I would not be doing Zoom and Skype teaching if I didn't have access to new developments in. Uh, directions, direction technology, you might say, and if I didn't have Marge's uh, some some of Marge's observational skills right. hadn't rubbed off on me, and if um, well, those two, and there was something. But else, I think I we need remember. to define what direction is, Robert. You see, well, I mean, there's uh, different types of direction. If I point to the light in the room I'm in, obviously that's a direction. Mm -hmm. From the tip of my finger to the light. I'm talking about alternatives to the classic uh, stuff like let my neck be free and all that, which, but, you know, is a big improvement over earlier stuff, but way inferior, in my view, to newer stuff. But, but what, okay, so but you have to define what is direction. Well, it's self, it's, it's giving a, a potential, a, giving a student um, a way of, thinking about themselves, even saying it to themselves, of what they want to happen. You see, I don't quite agree with that. To me, direction is simply inhibition. You know, I see. I, can, I, I agree with that, but I think you know, this is... If I isn't. say neck to be free, it means I know how to ah, absolutely. stop the and patterns that keep my neck free. I not. would never tell someone neck to be free. I, well, for that very I reason, just, I was just, well because because I don't want to use a direction that doesn't have inhibition built into it. But it does, it does if you understand it. 
I yeah, this is a, this is maybe a separate topic, but I'm just saying I wouldn't be doing the kind of teaching I'm doing if I were using the kind if I were only had available the kind of directions that I was taught years ago and if I didn't have the help I got from Marge for observation and other things and um, if I didn't have some of the stuff I've learned about gravity and how we and other external forces on us I mean those are things that are very very um, compatible with distance learning all of those things in my experience. So how do you how do you make sure that it just isn't really high quality subtle doing? Well, I, the directions that I ask people to use don't really have the possibility of any doing. Certainly the ones I would start with it would be virtually impossible for anyone to figure out how to do them. I I I I'll often start with the most simple direction of all, I'm free. And for most people, that is so weird and off the wall that they can't possibly figure out how to do it. But the, but the interesting thing is most people are completely bound up in, in the illusion of self. So this idea of being free, mm -hmm. I mean... I don't. You know, I have them test it right away. I mean, when I don't ever give someone a direction without also showing them how to test it. I mean, it's got to my point. If you're going to teach someone a direction, you also want to teach them how to verify that it's actually useful. And I have several strategies for doing that. Right, but the thing that the classic directions that that FM came up with that Marge taught you, uh -huh. neck to be free, head forward. Marge didn't left. teach me that. She said, "Let your head move delicately away from you." Okay, right, yeah, but I. But, I, yeah. I for 10 years I was around, I used to travel and talk to her about all this. Yeah. But so without getting semantic about it, uh -huh. the thing about it is that what it did was free up the mechanism of the head-neck-back coordination, which was, when mm -hmm. it was interfered with, interfered with Alexander's voice. Mm -hmm. So that's what those directions were about. They were inhibitory in nature, where you mm -hmm. subtract the mm -hmm. habit patterns that Mm -hmm. interfere with balance movement. Or as Mar Marge used to say when someone asked her why don't you ever talk about inhibition and her answer was that's all I ever talk about. Correct. But that she just exactly didn't happen right. to use the word. Right. Though I feel that's exactly what I'm doing. Well fair enough. And I feel that that's something that pretty much any teacher could learn to do if they don't aren't already familiar with those directions. You know, just as kind of a final thought, because we have run a bit over our intended time frame here. <laughs> but let me just say, as a practical matter, it, um, the what what seems to be happening with great regularity is that a teacher will be approached by someone, maybe a current student who's moved away or a friend of a student, and say, could you please teach me or that person using Skype or Zoom? And the teacher's first reaction is often no. I, 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 that's not something I, I think is a good idea. But they're persuaded to try it. And so many times what comes out of that is they're amazed at how much useful stuff they can do. Right. So let, let's, I'd like to say something at the end, too. I would like to yeah. say that Marge would say very clearly, my words talk to your thinking, my hands talk to your body. It's the mm -hmm. same message. Mm -hmm. And she would also agree that that message is basically inhibition. You can use different words at different times, mm -hmm. but it's to give the experience psychophysically of inhibition. Mm -hmm. And I know in, in all the years with Walter and Dillis and traveling with Marjorie Barlow, FM's niece, and, and Elizabeth Walker, mm -hmm. they would agree with that. They mm -hmm. would agree with Marge. Mm -hmm. You know, my words talk to your thinking, my sure. hands talk sure. to your body. Absolutely. So when... When you talk about only doing a Skype, mm -hmm. to me, you're leaving out the check and balance of the transmission of inhibition from the teacher's hands because all of those people 
the Carringtons, the Barlows, Patrick, and Marge would agree that the hands were inhibitory in nature. It was another way of communicating mm-hmm. it's another mindful way. conscious inhibition. Yep. But it woke up the psychophysical kinesthetic sense. That was what I experienced with all of them for decades. Now, I can say that on Skype, it's so easy not to have that kinesthetic transmission of inhibition. What there is is information that can help you. It can help a curious person who's smart and and doesn't have a fish to fry, as they say in England, Mm -hmm. to learn. Mm -hmm. But I think it's still, in some respects, limiting. It's not the full shebang. And to me, it's a bit like sex, you see. You know, I mean, how, you how can. How so, Michael? Can, well, how so? <laughs> because you can, you can, uh, you know, if one watches, you know, porn or anything like that or talk to people about sex, you could get a lot of stuff online. You could study the sexual act and the sex, you know, the organisms of the, of the female and the male. You can learn a huge amount of information online about sex, but it will not be the real deal no matter how much information or how smart the teachers are who are teaching you. Mm-hmm. You know, there will be no babies made. There will, you won't have that heartfelt connection of two human beings coming together. It will be in and of itself, because of the structure of, of the digital setup, limited. Right. But I would I would say that it's a, the the analogy is not totally uh, valid in that if you can teach someone how to self direct to bring about and and that will bring about the very kinesthetic changes or it give they can give themselves that kinesthetic. Uh, well, I you know, then you're asking I don't know if that's well, I you found say, that to be true for a lot of people. Of and I, and I have to trust you because you're my friend. I trust <laughs> you. But I would say that the illusion that people live in, the habit patterns of dualistic right and wrong, yeah, yeah, so powerful. Oh, they are powerful, and they're powerful that, if that you're if you got them in person too. I mean, well, sure, that's you're correct. dealing you're dealing with that in any case. I can just say in my own case that my Skype students learn more quickly than my in-person students. And they learn stuff in a way that they actually can use and start to use on their own, usually after the first session. Um, And they make significant changes that they are aware of, that people around them are aware of. So I don't know. I mean, you 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 definitely don't have the hands-on, but with a with a regular lesson, you may not get that. Well, sure, that, because of the quality uh, of the teacher. And, well, you know, we yeah. know that no matter what branch of the tree you come from, mm-hmm. whether it's a module training or a three-year training, there are some very good teachers and some very poor teachers. The whole spectrum That's exists. That's the world. Yeah. That's the world. Mm-hmm. But I would say that Alexander, his definition of psychophysical re-education with inhibition being the key thing is what the technique is. When Marge says, my words talk to your thinking, mm-hmm. my hands talk to your body, mm-hmm. that to me was the gold standard. And the truth is, it is not psychodigital re-education. It's psychophysical re-education. The digital world is useful to me for information learning that can augment the kinesthetic learning. Well, I, I'll accept that's your view, Michael. <laughs> I, I, I would say, I, I would just, I would say that's not necessarily the case. That's, well, that's, that's okay. what I would say. And the thing I like talking about you because I can. What's more important, and this is this is uh, slightly off topic, but not. You know, it's easy when you travel the Alexander world and you go to AGMs and conferences and congresses and so on to get judgmental. But what is really the essence 
and I and I apply this to the people who study with you, are the people, they're all interested in the principles of the technique. They're all interested in learning, however they can. And I think that's what we have to honor. Uh, you know, whether I necessarily agree with the way it's done, mm-hmm. so what? I mean, I think we have to support the interest of the greater community. That's the thing. And and friendship. To me, the friendship with you is more important whether I'm right or wrong or you're right or wrong. That's, you know, it's like I said, I wanted to start this out like you and I are having a beer someplace and just talking. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you know, the older you get, the older you get, you realize that the personal friendship is, is really the key thing. Well, I, I would not argue that, Michael. You know, as long as we are, since, since we've gone, we've gone, we're, we're into over an hour now. <laughs> wow. Um, That's right. As long as we, was this long, I mean, what the hell, I'll just tack on a little speculative thing. Okay. Uh, your concern about not, <clears throat> not having hands on with, uh, distance learning, that problem itself is very likely to change shortly. The technology is already there. It just isn't that uh, it needs to be refined and made made cheap. But you know, um, you can you could um, easily imagine the inter- having um, a way of delivering what your hands are suggesting to someone at a distance. That's could not be. absolutely. The te- there there already are some some experiments with that that in uh, other fields yeah i don't know about this I mean, um, artificial intelligence is the wave of the well, future well it's, it's more like bandwidth and and technology here that yeah. it, it's 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 can quite conceivable that in 5 or 10 years I'll, i'd be able to reach out and shake your hand and you'd get a complete kinesthetic as a, a reasonably complete kinesthetic uh, experience of that well then, won't I be completely on board with you, Robert? Because then, yeah. So when I that happens, drive to LA, when, we will just have our computer set absolutely. up and we'll have all this. When that happens, <laughs> as 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 I said to my colleague uh, John Macy, who I think you know, right? Uh, t- or do who, uh, studied with Marge, lives in Omaha. We were saying we were talking once about some of the advantages of distance learning, and he said, you know. No problem with skin disease. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. So there, yeah. Right. There's so. There's and no I will say also, there's the, the the one of the beauties of it is you don't have to get dressed up. You know, you can have, you can be you can be in your jammies practically uh, doing well, this stuff. You know, so, so the point the point you're making was twofold. One that teachers need to earn a living, but the other that there's a real need out there in the world. Yeah. For, for the principles, I think the I think a basic ideas of of the, right. that Alexander brought to the table and others have elaborated on and modified to some extent. These are ideas that are incredibly useful and powerful and, well, and transformative and desperately needed on a micro yeah. and a macro level. So, um, I. I don't disagree with you at all. I think our main disagreement is are the, on this question of just how important are hands and are there downsides of hands and are there upsides and that, that sort of question. And I would yeah, say for so anyone I, listening to this who's, you know, curious try try having if you're a, if you're a student maybe have a, a few Skype sessions with different teachers there are a lot of teachers who do it and if you're a teacher give it a try i mean it isn't um it's it's an easy it's very easy to dip your foot in the water on this really That's easy true. you don't you need, need any to, equipment need really other than a computer it's zero. But what you have is special. You had those that decades of experience of Marge. So your experience, your ability, Robert Rickover's skill to in to impart 
self-observational skills is much higher than a lot of teachers I know. Well, yeah, and you know, I I think um, my friend and colleague and your friend and colleague Eileen Troberman um, has pointed out in conversations that most teachers don't see the kinds of things that Marge Oh, that's true. And so when they say, oh, and she, and this is in the context of, of Skype teaching, and they, they can't imagine that you could actually see the kind of, those sorts of things even on a somewhat grainy video. But the truth yes. is you can. And, well, um, you know, bless Marge, because yep. that ability she had was just light years ahead yep I'm, so much of other other things that were yeah she was the best no doubt about it and i do happen to think that if 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 she were alive today and there was and there was a possibility of skype teaching and i i maybe showed her a video of a skype session i think she'd be fascinated well, you remember that time when she's talking to some radio announcer in Texas who's interviewing her, and then then she switches over into, um, what do you notice as you're sitting there uh, interviewing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he talked about pressure this way and that way, yeah. and his neck was hurting yeah. him and yeah. something like that, and she was able to make a change. So yeah. I would agree with you. Marge, Marge experimented and, and had that pioneer fortitude. Yeah. Of she, not getting stuck. Take a gambling chance. Right. That was her motto. So. <laughs> All right, Michael, I think we've exhausted this topic. I agree, but it was good. It but was good. A, so a few other topics that we could go into well, let's, sometime. Let's, let's talk about that after we close this one out. Okay. okay. So um, my guest today has been uh, Michael Frederick, voted Best Alexander <laughs> teacher in Los Angeles. Yes. Oh my God, Michael! Oh my God, so jealous. Right. Um, okay. And um, I'll put a link to his website by the interview. I'll put a link to a site where you can learn more about the Alexander technique in general. And um, thanks, Michael. My best. Stay online. Are you going to? Yep. Cut I'm just. Us off, yep. Okay.